welcome to belonging before believing, where if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. I'm happy man Patrick Mathers, senior pastor of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship with a capital S because I'm old. Although I don't get discounts yet. I'm sure the S stands for senior. What does it stand for then? Oh, nothing that I can't say without an explicit on our oh, podcast. Come on, come on, uh, come on. Well, who are you? Super duper then. Well, you got something over there? Huh, Chump? No, I'm you I'm still laughing. Your name yet. You look like Boss Nass in episode <laughs> one when you started this episode. <laughs> Welcome! Dude, I was excited. Yeah, I'm Brian Guppy. I I do things at Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. What do you do? I, Tell me that. I, what, besides singing, what do you do? I oh, do what? <laughs> I go to all the things that you go to. <laughs> I to watch him squirm. I used to do a lot of the money stuff. I don't do that anymore. I'm talking to Rachel, Brian's wife. Yeah, she's so, sitting right today's next to Today's Mother's Day, and that's why mama ain't happy and nobody happy. I hope y'all happy your mamas. <laughs> Got them some little, some little box of goobers, or maybe maybe what? Some nickety knacks. Some nickety some as a guy on the Home Improvement Channel once used to say. Got your tchotchkes. <laughs> I don't. I, that's all I remember. I don't remember why, but I remember that word because I think it's fun to say. And maybe you took her out to dinner. My daughter Lily took my wife Andy to the hula's which is the Mongolian barbecue tonight. It's nice that the kids are now old enough that I don't have to get them to make presents for her, like some stupid card. I mean, yeah, stupid card or something. Yeah, don't worry. Zoe didn't make Rachel a card. Yeah, I didn't even get a card. So you can say it's a stupid card. That's because Brian didn't tell her to make a stupid card. If he'd sat down and drawn a handprint and made a turkey, dude, you'd have been gold. (laughs) Or whatever they're doing these days. So, yeah, and Lily took Andy to the hulas. Speaking of Mongolian barbecue, have you ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse? Okay. Sort of, but no. It isn't, like, proper legit, but I have been one down in L.A. before. No, yeah, yeah, L.A. Up there somewhere. So, when I was in San Diego two weeks ago... Uh, they, cool. they took us to dinner at one of those places, and everybody keeps asking me, like, where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know, this place, Fugada, Bugada, whatever. And everybody, I would say something like that, and they'd be like, oh, Fogo to Chow? And I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Ooh, have you been to a Brazilian steakhouse before? I'm like, like no, like, it's an experience. It sounds like you're doing something salty behind the alley. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was salt. It definitely <laughs> happened. No, so they sit us down and they're like, okay, this is how it works for those of you who haven't Wait, they been... like coach you through it? Yes. Wow. This is how it works. For sure, okay, for sure I didn't go to this thing. Okay, so there's going to be two courses. Okay. The first one is basically just a run at the salad bar. And it was a very good salad sure. bar. Sure, okay. All right, and the second one is all the meats. And I'm just like, okay. And people had kind of prepped me. They had to coach you for that. No, yes. So they, And people had warned me. They said, save room. Don't come out too quick. It, there's a lot. And I was like, okay. So, so don't load up at the salad bar, even though it's a fancy one. Right, or okay. even at the beginning of the meats. So I, I'm halfway done with my salad. Oh, and, and they said, you have like the, at our restaurant, it was a coaster. 
essentially. And it's red on one side and green on the other. Green means, yeah, uh huh, hundred percent. Yeah. Green means keep bringing me more meat. And so, halfway through, the helicopter fly over. The helicopter fly over. Yeah. So halfway through me eating my salad, this swarm of servers comes in, and they have it looks like it's it looks like a long metal like pitchfork that they have a hunk of meat on. And what they do is they walk up to you and they're like, would you like some top sirloin? And you say, yes. And they do like a little bit of a cut so that it kind of just peels off like a banana peel. Okay, right. And you have these little tongs and you grab it uh-huh. and then they finish it off. And then before they finish it off, somebody comes up and they're like, would you like some bottom sirloin? Like, yes, yes, I would. And you, you grab it and they slice it off. Somebody comes at you like, would you like some of this chicken? And you're like, heck no, get out of here with this white meat. And then... <clears throat> somebody comes up and like, would you like some of this tomahawk? Yes, I want some tomahawk. Would you like some garlic infused filet? Yes. yes, yes, I would. And before you know it, you have like 19 different cuts of wow. meat. That are, but wow. You, I did not get to but go you there. don't. You what? I didn't get to go. But you there. don't want to. But you don't want to flip the green to red because you don't know what's going to be coming next. Right, dude. I never Everything's heard of the tomahawk. Oh yeah. I want the tomahawk. Yeah. And so, did they charge you based upon how many meats you selected, or it's just like a an entry fee? I have no idea. They charge Dutch Bros something. I can tell you that. Sure. Was it like Dutch Bros Chico or Dutch Bros? Um, g- neither. So my they had each region had their own dinner, but because I'm in the on the approved to operate list, I was basically at like the kids table. Okay. Version. So it was me and all the lead mobs and the mobsters and, yeah, all the people who are going to be really be something someday. But they're not yet. Exactly. Yeah. Kids so. table. <laughs> de Fogo de Chow. Fogo, is that really what it's called? Yeah. Oh. I finally learned it eventually. I would have, too, if they were bringing me meats like that. No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have even tried, honestly. I saw there's one in Sacramento. We, let's go. It's not the same name, but it's like same type of thing. Dude, we need to go do that. Yeah, I'm down. We can so do is that. Rachel. She is salty. She didn't get to go with you. Want to go, Rachel? Salty. Yeah. Maybe you and me should go and leave Chumpy at home. 100%. Ooh. Yeah. Speaking of being salty. Yeah. What? Ah! <laughs> hey, Brian. That <laughs> yeah. was the best segue ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> that was the best segue ever. We didn't even set it up like that. Nope. That just happened. Yeah. All right. All right. In the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, why would God kill Lot's wife by turning her into a pillar of salt for simply looking in the wrong direction? That's all she did. Because God is a jerk. Yeah. And that's all she did. Dumb head. She, she, she just looked the other direction or just any other direction. It's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. Anyways, maybe we should read the story first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait. I got it here in my B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Oh, gosh, I knew you couldn't help yourself. Stand alone in the word of God. The sun had risen. Is this it? Am I in the right spot? Oh, here it is. Okay. Yeah. Genesis 19. Genesis 19. Okay. So I am not going to read the entire story of Sodom and Gomorrah because it's long. Let me sum up. God came to Abraham with two angels and told Abraham he was going to go bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah 
for their sinful acts. So as their their so Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. If there's any righteous people there, that God wouldn't destroy it. Um, well, fifty, and then he was doing the negotiating thing down to forty, then to thirty, then to twenty, and all the way down to ten. There were ten good people. God said he wouldn't destroy the city, but there weren't ten. The angels showed up into town and found that out. The only ones who were savable, apparently, was Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, who had gone and settled there, his two daughters and his wife. Nobody else, not even the, the wives of the, the, or pardon me, the sons-in-law of Lot. They ridiculed and laughed at him, and they ended up staying in the town. You want to talk about living in a bad neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do, do you want to go there and talk about what was going on? I mean, is that... I just mean, <laughs> literally, those people. That's it. Everyone else has got to go. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was that bad. It was that bad. Um, and it, it, if you, you read the story, it's understandable. I mean, they, they, they wanted to basically rape the angels in the public square. And... Um, Lot pulled him in his house, and they wanted to tear down the door in order to get to him, the people from the town. And Lot basically said, no, here, how about my daughters? Right. And they said, no, we don't want them. And then the angels touched them, and it says made them blind, but the interesting thing in Hebrew, it actually is they couldn't figure things out. So whether that means that they actually went blind or, like, they couldn't figure out what a door was or where the door was, they turned dumb, and, like, couldn't couldn't function anymore. It's not entirely certain exactly what happened. But what we do know is that the angels, Lot, his two daughters, and his wife were able to walk out of town unharmed and unscathed. So, in verse 15 of chapter 19, it said, As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city." But he lingered, so the men seized him and his wife and the two daughters by the hand, but the Lord being merciful to him, and they but the Lord was merciful to him, and they brought him and set him outside of the city. So there, even as they're trying to walk out, the men are still trying to grab at them and whatever with them. Um, whatever. Well, it, it, it isn't clear. So the punishment of the city's coming, but it's but Lot's still lingering. He's, he's still not, like, rushing out of the town. So there's something keeping him from leaving. So as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. Swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh, no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. You have shown him great kindness in saving my life, but I can't escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, hey, here's a city that's near for me to flee to, a little one. Can't let me escape there. See, it's a little one, and, and me and my wife will be saved. So he said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. there the name of the city was then called Zoar. So then the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur, fire from the Lord out of heaven. He overthrew those cities and all in the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and 
that and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife was behind him. She looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. That's the end of that story. Well, it goes on from there. It's not. It doesn't get much better, honestly, for Lot and his daughters and all that. But that's not the part of the story we're talking about yet. Or no. Maybe not. But. So, why would he kill her that way? Simply for looking the wrong direction. Um. Well, the question. You see how the, it began. Oh, go ahead. The question uh, implies a level of innocence, right? On the part of Lot's wife, yes. right? And um, some kind of unjust vindictiveness on God's part. At, or at the very implied. least, ignorance so they're, yeah, on the, they're both, on the they're part both of Lot, yeah. Lot's wife. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. So, um, but you see in the very beginning, so let's back up even more. When Lot came into the land with Abraham, he was very wealthy. Abraham was very wealthy. They began to have so many herds and cattle and and people in their camps that they couldn't stay together. Their camps were fighting with one another. Their workers and slaves were fighting with each other. And so Abraham said to Lot, you pick the direction where you want to go. Now the proper thing to do would have been for Lot to choose the lesser, the not as desirable portion of the land and let Abraham have the better land because he's the elder statesman, as it were. Of the, he's, he's the patriarch. But Lot didn't do that. Lot looked at the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, which today are nothing but salt sea and salt flats. It's kind of crazy. But apparently at that time it was the lushest and greenest part of the what's today the nation of Israel. And so he took his herds and cattle and people and went and settled there in Lot. And it said as soon as he settled there, he moved into town. So he wasn't trying to just go settle there. He had other intentions too and moved into the town and in moving in there became a prominent person in town because he's very wealthy. But even though we see later on in the in Second uh, Peter that it says that Lot was grieved with the wickedness that was going on in that town but he never did anything. He never preached righteousness. He never he just he just sat there and kind of took it and endured it. And he liked that life of luxury. That's that's why he went there. He went there for the culture. He went there for the culture, and he went there for the benefits yeah. that he would receive from that culture, being a wealthy man that he was. And he liked that attention. He liked the status. He liked all of those kind of things that came along with it. So they, the town tolerated him, and he tolerated them as long as both were benefiting each other. So when you start by giving all of that backstory and context, what you've already done is taken the level of innocence or and even ignorance out of it, and you've taken God from being the vindictive one to being the long-suffering one already. Yes. Anyway, please okay. continue. No, that's that's good context. So, so his heart. So the point is, is Lot's heart wasn't right. Lot's heart was wanting stuff was wanting position, was wanting authority, was wanting, you know, uh, more money, all of the all of the things this world has to offer a person, that's really what he was after, not seeking after the Lord and following what the Lord's commands and his ways are. That's what Abraham was doing. There's a major contrast there in lifestyle and in heart and intent. 
And so when we finally get to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and we see that Lot is wanting to compromise still, even in the time where the angels have arrived to destroy the town, he, he, we see again what's going on really in his heart. We saw it there as I read the chapter or read the section where he's not willing to run away to the hills like, like God tells him to or the angels tell him to. Instead, he says, well, how about just this little city? See, it's really little. It's really, he says it like three times about how little it is. Meaning he still doesn't want to give up his stuff. He still doesn't want to give up his stuff and his prestige. He knows if he can go into that town, he'll be a wealthy man and all that. That doesn't work out for him. He ends up in the hills with his daughters. Um, but So he, he lingered in Sodom. He didn't want to leave. The angels basically had to pick him up and drag him out of the city. And it implies that that's what he was happening with his wife. And his daughters too, so it isn't. So when we get to the end and she finally dies, it says that she was lingering behind, and she was looking back longingly. So she was looking back with grief on what God was doing. She was basically upset that God was bringing His just punishment against those people, and her heart was one that it should have been one where she was rejoicing in that God was giving his just punishment, but rather she just wanted back in her society and her, you know, she probably had a very pampered lifestyle there. And now all of a sudden she has nothing, no possessions. They didn't take anything. There was angels picked them up and all they had was them and the clothes on their back. And they were, they were there and she looked back and regret that she had to leave all of that behind. So the whole point was that the, the idolatrous nature of her heart, was brought to the fore, if you will, as she looked back and was, she was basically looking back in worship, worshiping those things that she had left behind, longing for those things rather than for the salvation God was literally providing her in that moment. Well, not to mention, God told them very, very specifically, don't look back. Yeah, right, right. So I'm going to destroy this wicked city and I'm not happy about you either, <laughs> but I'm going to spare you. That's my paraphrase, That's obviously. But I'm going to spare you. Do not look back. And it's pretty simple, but they look back. They, she looked back. Yep. And so in, in that instance, and I, this is borderline hypothetical, but why I mean... What else is God supposed to do and remain just? What else does God do in to communicate to Lot and that he is a God who means what he says and he's a God where there's actually like consequence for violating his commands? So, no, seriously, Lot's lady, I mean it. Don't, no, seriously, no, stop it, you... You, you you stop it. I'm going to count to three, and if you don't get your eyes on the road... No. Well, he was so gracious up to that point, he didn't know them anything. That's my point. I know. I know. He, he didn't. In fact, the only reason that they were rescued is basically because Abraham interceded for them. You know, and said, well, mm -hmm. if there's righteous people in there, you won't... And he, God said, no, he wouldn't judge the whole city for ten righteous people. But there wasn't even ten. There wasn't even four. There was only three in actuality, and God was just to 
bring his wrath upon that town, and he pulled them out before the judgment came. And that's, you know, it's that's kind of God's tendency is to pull his people out before judgment comes. And I'm not talking rapture nonsense <laughs> or that kind of thing. A, rem- um, a remnant. No, I'm, th- I'm thinking more like, you know, you see Noah's Ark and he saved those um, eight righteous people and that's it on the whole planet, you know. And um, it happens other times too. Those three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he saves them out of the fiery furnace. But um, there's, there's, you know, God, it, what we forget, when somebody asks a question like this, the thing that is completely absent is any idea that God doesn't owe you anything. That it's by grace that you exist, that you breathe, that you eat, that you drink, that you smell, that you, you know, see. It, it's all by God's grace. He doesn't owe you anything at all. And for him to ask any requirements of you is not cumbersome or burdensome because you don't have any claim to even your own existence. So he can tell you whatever he wants to, and it's right and just and good that he does it. So he didn't, and to even further than that, he didn't owe them salvation out of this town. And yet he went ahead and did it out of his care and love for Abraham and probably for Lot. I mean, Second Peter does tell us that he was, he, he did have some righteousness in his heart, apparently. And he was grieved about what was going on, but he was like too cowardly to speak up and say anything about it. And the interesting thing is to to recoil against the way that Lot's wife perished because of the manner in which she perished. It just shows how little we consider God's sovereignty in the numbering of everyone's days anyway. Like if it said right, right. she looked back, saw the mayhem, had a cardiac arrest and keeled over. People would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It was a very traumatic event. Like God's less sovereign in that. (laughs) The fact that our days are numbered and that for most of us, there's a relatively similar number of days. That is a display of grace. Yeah. That we have some kind of just guess on how long potentially we could live like that's a grace like can you imagine if there was no rhyme or reason some people live to be 30 some people live to be 78 some people live to be 150 some people live to be six like 150 sure Who's them? why not i, I don't know i'm just saying this is what i mean you're you heard just being an example of exactly what i mean we have an expectation of how long we're supposed to live right and, and the fact that we have that expectation is manifestation of grace. That's us taking for granted our next breath, our next day, our next year. Yeah. He didn't owe Lot's wife anything, even if she was perfectly obedient. Right, right. Which, of course, she was not. <laughs> not even close. But again, and we can come back to, I mean, the problem of evil and why do bad things happen to good people? And on and on. And we come back to the, God doesn't owe us anything. Yeah. And when we really start to peel back why we're confused, why we're shocked, why we're scandalized, why it, uh, it, it rubs us the wrong way when somebody has a quote-unquote premature demise, it's just a window into how gracious God is that we can even have a frame of mind 
where something like that seems out of the ordinary. Hey, so let me ask you this. Um, it, we, we haven't seen God ju- bring that kind of judgment on any nation since then. Um, but I would venture to say that there are plenty of people who are in and among the church that are similarly compromised, wouldn't you say? Sure. Lot's wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think that that is a, a proclivity of believers, or do you think that that's just a manifestation of an unbelieving heart? I mean, that's a tough one to say. I know, right? I, I, what leads me to say that that could be, how did you phrase it, the, the later one? A manifestation of an unbelieving heart. Oh, sorry, the former one then. Um, mm, something along the lines of just like, I didn't use this phrase, but like capitulation. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I lean towards that just because God was ready to spare her. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that leads me to believe that, yeah, he was, he was showing her grace. And I mean, whether maybe, this is so hard to know. To use her as an example, I don't know. I'm sure it's both. So, what but I you, think oh, sorry. I think probably mostly an unbelieving heart. Okay. But I I think there are outliers who are just playing a very dangerous game. So, so what I was leading up to then is the question: how how do we confront this in people's lives today? Is it just a general call to repentance? And, or are we, do we try to be more nuanced in that if the people are believers, we say, you know, God should be your true love and affection, not the world, when we clearly see its worldliness, um, or, or what? What do you think? How do you think well, we approach that? Well, any, like any warning, mm-hmm. it's going to eventually soften the hearts of God's people and is going to harden the hearts mm-hmm. of anyone else. Right. Yes, that's why I'm and, glad you said that. Yeah. And so, uh, like I said, I, I show up for all the things that you show up. I, I actually pay attention. Yeah. Anyway, this wasn't a softball either. This was. Thank you. Know, you. A thinker. No. Uh, so, there's going to be a sense where it's you know, the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats. Okay. Where talk more about the warnings. What What does a warning do? Okay, so it it's going to be effective in the hearts of God's people. Okay. And so when you issue a warning, and maybe it's somebody like Lot's wife, who, uh, you know, preoccupied with stuff and status and the things of this world, um, to the sense where it has become an idol, and where they are not fixated on the things of the Lord. Um, they're not pursuing Him in holiness and blah, 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 blah. So when you issue a warning to somebody like that who is genuinely a born-again child of God, then maybe not even the first time, but eventually that warning is going to soften their heart. They're going to be receptive to it. And the Holy Spirit is going to be faithful to, to show them their sin and, and help them kill it, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Uh, now, for somebody who is sitting in a church, for somebody who is not repentant, not born again, still has that heart of stone, they are going to hear these things and 
they are not going to be softened the way that that, uh, that born-again Christian is. It, it's going to be something that over time ends up pushing them out. Right, hardening their heart. Yeah, even more Make, and more. It, yeah. it's not like there are, and this is not to get in the weeds here, but it's not like they really, really, really like this stuff. And they just wish so desperately that they were one of the, you know, the, the called. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works. It, there's, there's no, what, how, how did somebody put this? Like, there's no people who are like dying to like get into heaven and like, there's no scratch marks on the right. outside on or the whatever. Outside of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, the, the truth makes those who don't believe even more resistant to it. It makes them, they, like, they hate the truth. They want nothing to do with it. And eventually, when you have a tear, a goat, or whatever you want to call them here in Scripture, eventually they're going to have no time for it. They're going to have no desire for it. And and they end up leaving. Mm. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, they, they will, or they'll just become trouble. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or they'll become antagonistic and you know, end up throwing stones and hating you and trying to defile you in town square. Either way, they leave. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think we sufficiently answered that question. Sweet. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, we, we talked about it a little sarcastically at the beginning. Like, oh, poor Lot's wife and that big mean God. And obviously, before we had even finished reading the story, <laughs> That's that's clearly not the case. It was evident what was going on. Yeah. Hey, you want a question for the day? Please. Okay. If you had to give up one of your senses, what would it be? How about this? Let me do a better one. I got a better one now. It just came to me. If you could, if you could, had to give up one of your senses, but it augmented another of your senses. Same answer. Okay, go. I'm giving up smell easily. That's taste, too, you know, right? Dude, I knew you were going to say this. You said one of my senses. I know, but smell is part of your taste. Then you, then I'm giving up two of them. That's not what the question was. I'm giving up one. All right, I'm all not right, giving all up right, my taste. Enough. I'm right. just giving up my smell. Okay, your smell. I'm hacking it. I understand that. Okay. But, but smell. It would be the easiest one. And I... I... Yeah. If... If we're going to go with what would actually happen, I give up my smell and I lose my taste. Although I know some people who can't smell very well, and they taste their food just fine. Now, yeah. maybe they would taste it better, but yeah. they don't know any different, so yeah. things taste good to them still. But if taste was going to get lumped into that, then I would change my answer to feel. How weird would it be if you couldn't touch? Like, That's what I mean, yeah. That would be weird, right? It would be, but at the same time, like, how often do you feel something you're like, ah... Oh. Every night when I go to bed, the sm- like the smoothness <laughs> of your sheets or something. No, just the just the delightfulness of the whole encounter. Rest. Yeah, me in the bed, dude. We got a good relationship. I love that guy, girl, whatever. Ugh, it just turned weird. <laughs> <laughs> Which of my senses do I give up? Okay. Smell the sniffer. Yeah. Okay. What was the chain or question you changed Never it to? Never mind. That's a dumb one. All right. All right. What would I give up? Yeah. And I'm kind of thinking, but see, the f- problem with giving up feel is that if, if you get hurt, then you don't know it. If you could give see, up, I think that's a benefit. If you could, kind of, because that, that's how that's leprosy. That's how you right. die with that. So 
Maybe if you could give up feel but not pain. Like you could still have pain. Does that count? Is that a thing? Like if I'm getting too close to the hot? No. That is not a thing. God, and I'm not sure I want to give that up. I feel like pain is I half of I'm feel. With you. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you in giving up giving up smelling. Although, I think it's I think it's pretty obvious that sight and hearing are right out. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. There's lots of cool blind people. And Daredevil. Some cool. Ooh, yeah. If I got to be Daredevil, then the sight's gone. I'm still getting rid of smell. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. Especially if it's Ben Affleck, Daredevil, definitely getting rid of smell. Yeah, yeah. Hey, did you think Jennifer Garner's Electra was a stinker? I never saw it. See, I didn't, but a lot of people did. And that, there was a, I've been a new superhero group on Facebook with my buddy John Pierce. And, nice. Um, that poll came up, which was which was worse. Oh no, it wasn't Electra. It was Electra or Catwoman, the Halle Berry Catwoman. I didn't and of see course, that everybody one either. said Catwoman was the worst. But I didn't think uh, Jennifer Garner Electra was that bad. It for sure wasn't Catwoman worthy, but whatever. Anyways. So, which sense are you giving up? Not taste, because I want to taste that salt. Yes. <laughs> a little bit of lots of wife on my pizza. That's, Maybe not my pizza. Dude, that's weirder than whether when your bed was a dude or a girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's even weirder. Oh. Nobody's ever said I'm, I'm normal, so I'm okay. Sight, hear, taste, touch, smell. I think that's it. We believe you belong. <laughs>